0: Of your favorite show, and producer
1: 511 from Blanchester, the cow killer Casey
2: McAllister, and comic engineer standing at four foot eight, the pride of the West Side, Elliot Rearing, and your host, weighing 150
0: pounds soaking wet.
1: Alright, well welcome in, welcome in, welcome in on a lovely Wednesday edition of Off the Bench. This is presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Trace Fowler, joined as always with Elliot Rearing and Casey McAllister. We have a list of topics to get to today that are relatively insightful and fun. We have the Matt McClain news, which is not fun, to be very clear. We'll talk about whether we should be concerned, upset, who we should be mad about, what we should be mad about, if we should even care at all. We got top 10 Reds list that we'll get to just after the McLean news. We have a lot of baseball today because after that we're going to talk some MLB expansion cities that seem to be popping up. There's about 10 to 12 of them now that uh, that seem to be, have a puncher's chance. Now I don't think that there's that many that actually do. We'll get into which ones are the most relevant and we'll probably make a poll question of the day of which one that makes the most sense. And we'll finish it off with uh, some Higgins watch. Franchise tag is currently available to be utilized. When and will the Bengals utilize it? Who knows? Maybe it's in five minutes. Maybe it's in five days. We shall find out. Uh, First, though, as always, we start off with... What did I miss? Last night, per usual this time of year, there's a lot going on. (laughs) There's a lot going on. Uh, There was a lot going on yesterday. Yesterday. We'll get into that as well a little bit. Why not? We'll have some fun on off the bench here on this lovely Wednesday edition. It's uh it's been such a hectic week to a certain extent. Um I got like meetings every day this week, which is not the boss usually usual.
0: The boss man. Um
1: just so I I about 20 minutes before the show, I walked in uh outside here and I was like, "What day is it?" And I they made fun of me. <laughs> they, act, they acted like I should know what day it was. I didn't know what day it was, so I'm just happy, thankful. Hey, today's Wednesday. And you know what's great about that? I've, I'll be honest with you. If you can get into a point where your life, where you genuinely don't know what day it is, and it's the middle of the work week, then you've then you've realized at that moment. And what I realized at that moment was that I'm a blessed person. I am. Yeah. I don't. I don't I'm not. I'm not counting the days. I used to be in a situation in my life where I would uh, I would dread the work week. I really would. And there's a lot of people like that And there. And, and honestly, you, you can get yourself into a position where I was close to being there, where I call it the golden handcuffs, where you have, uh, you have a job that pays you very, very well. Um, and it provides for your family and it does a lot of great things and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, there's people that would, you know, die to be in the position that many of us have been in our lives where we want to complain about it. Certainly one, because we live in the greatest country on planet earth, in my opinion. Okay. To be clear, I don't want to start any more, uh, wars or anything like that. But I do think the United States is the best, the best country on planet earth. And if you live here, you have a lot of opportunities and you become very ungrateful. You become very privileged. And, uh, I just want to say that, uh, I am very thankful not only to be an American, but to be doing this every single day, because a lot of you watch the show. The download numbers are great. Uh, the, the support that we have on this platform yeah.
0: is elite. You could It argue, genuinely is elite. You could elite. argue the support could never be better. And how about that start? I, on President's Week, no less. You just get all patriotic like that and, and very thankful for your country. Yeah, I, I agree. The support, I mean, if you wanted to talk about that real quick, I mean, it's up to you. It's your show. But I was going to say uh, there was a, a, a bit of a scuttlebutt yesterday. And... I've found that we have some of the best fans in the world, some of the best supporters of all time in the Chatterbox faithful. Mister Mo, Evan, yeah, uh, Mark, Mark, shout out just a couple of them. Uh, Alex, Alex, everybody. I mean, Evan, everybody, Evan. We, I, we can't name everybody, but I'm just saying. Well, I mean, we can we, try. We can try. <laughs> I, I everybody, Drew, everybody last night came in <laughs> to support us. Time. And again, here's the thing: when you have a, a daily talk show, you're going to have takes, right? That's the point. Sir, boy, to, you're, you're supposed to, what Was that?
1: I'm just going to keep rattling off names. Don't let me, don't let me, right. uh, don't so let me Sir get Sir, boy, yep. Up.
0: You're, you're supposed to have takes. You're supposed to be opinionated. You're supposed to say something that maybe not everybody would agree with, but it's supposed to stir up some conversation. That's the point. Because if you just say the same point that everybody's already said, nobody's going to watch your show. It's uninteresting. It's unfunny. Um, so I have no issue with anybody disagreeing with a take, none, but I find it strange that people almost don't say our name as a terms uh, like I like Voldemort. Like the, the same way people don't say Voldemort, it's like, who are they? Like, well, if you know, you know. Like, I, I'm just like, it's 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 weird. It's weird to me. I had no issue with anything. Can we up, can up, we up can we can then. we
1: just die? Let's let's uh, for those that aren't under that they're they not might not be privy to understanding what what's ultimately happened. Let's just run this. Let's let's do this once and for all and explain this to the fans that maybe are tuning in today that aren't sure. Maybe you don't have X.com. Maybe you have no idea. Of what actually went down and transpired yesterday, and that's fine. I'll run through it really quickly. Um, it is actually one of the, um, it's it's dumb. It reminds me of like the National Enquirer, right? Yeah. It, it's very much of like you you read the, the the tablets at the at the newsstand as you're checking out of your your favorite grocery store, and you start reading some of the headlines, and you're just like, what in the world? Like there's a business that's made off of that because people just like drama. So I guess it would be. It would be um, dumb of us not to at least bring this up. I think you should bring but it up. We have to talk about it. So what happened is, is that I went out, and you know what? This is the God's honest truth. This is why maybe you love this show, maybe you hate it. I'm going to tell you the like the 100% facts of how this went down. So for those that don't know, there's really not a lot going on right now, right? Like, there's 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 no Reds baseball. Yes, there's spring training, and we can talk about that, but there's nothing like earth shattering where you're going to be able to have a take for 30 to 40 minutes and and be able to extend an actual realistic sport conversation for that long. The, the super bowl just happened, right? So that's gone. You have the NBA, which is fine, but nobody in this part in nobody that we've built up an audience of, and we genuinely don't watch the NBA. So we're not going to be fake fans and talk about the NBA when we genuinely don't watch it. We have NCAA basketball right now, yes. Xavier's fighting for their lives, which to be honest, you know, if if, if they were at a crime scene, they would have already considered them dead. Um, UC currently is in is in critical care. They're in ICU, UC basketball. We're we're gonna talk about them, but you can't there's only so much one can muster up to discuss. So I was like, you know what? On my way into work, sometimes I'm like, what are some fun, interesting, like kind of hot topics that I could provide some insight on that we could have a general discussion about. And then I see Justin Jefferson is, is discussing whether or not he, he wants a fully guaranteed contract. And I seen the Minnesota Vikings were considering, they just can't do that. They're not going to do that. They're not going to put themselves in the predicament that they could put themselves in. If they gave a fully guaranteed contract, we were talking about the NFL, the national football league, And the, our Lord and savior of of social media, Nick Kirby clips up what I was talking about, about these guaranteed contracts, because I genuinely believe I'm not saying the player doesn't deserve the money, but I genuinely believe that for the league and for the sport as a whole guaranteed contracts are not good. And I don't think that's all that debatable, but Nonetheless, that was the comp- topic of conversation on x.com yesterday. Oddly enough, the, the, the video was posted like Monday, two days ago. Yeah. What well, was it? Monday. Uh, so it was kind of like old news to a certain extent. But the theory is, is that somebody said something nice about us. Very nice about us. Drew, our, our, our loyal, very nice, good friend of the program. Drew Garrison made a nice post about us. And we said thank you to Drew because he didn't need to say that. And whether or not everyone believes that or not, who cares? But Drew said something nice about us. We said thank you. And I think what happened is that that really irked people that don't like us. For what, We have a small group of people that don't like us. And whether they don't like us because of the fact that we brought on Tom and they couldn't stand Tom before that, maybe it's the fact that obviously Nick Kirby came along and you add in the fact that, oh, it's Tom, now Nick left us and he went to the dark side they don't know me they don't know chatterbox they don't know any of us they know and i don't know them which is why i don't talk about them because i don't know them i don't know them personally and honestly i don't have enough time in the day it's not that i i don't know if their shows are good bad or indifferent now from time to time to say that i haven't watched a little bit of something that other people were doing within our industry to see if they're doing it better than us or to see if we should be doing something differently I do that, yes, because I think that's my job, but I'm not, like, overly paying attention to what other people are doing. So, sure enough, yesterday, the clip of me talking about Justin Jefferson, of all things, in the Minnesota Vikings, went viral about Major League Baseball now, which I would never be talking about in the first place. But that's fine. So, drives me insane. People are mad. People are mad. Uh, people are mad saying it's the worst sports take in the history of sports takes. And funny enough, they've not watched me long enough clearly. Cause I think I've had worse ones <laughs> personally. Like if of all the, if, if it can't, it can't be the world's worst take. If it's not my worst take. Cause then theoretically that whatever my other worst take would be with the world. You get my point. Um, so you put pack all this into a ball here. And now we're in a situation where somebody goes out on a limb from another podcast That's a host or co-host of this podcast. And they're directly talking about me clearly. And that's perfectly fine, I guess, if they want to do that. But our fans weren't happy about it because they, because, because they kind of, for lack of a better term, they beat around the bush. They never wanted to say it was about us or me, but they also wanted to say it. So it's like, you kind of like, if you're going to just say it, say it like there's a lot of respect there right? If you're going to come out and say that we're idiots, that's fine. But the, maybe the biggest part of all of it was that they said that we were funded by the Castellinis. <laughs> that was the best part of all of it. And, and, and Which, by the way, you know, maybe we are.
0: Nobody was mad that they started making fun of the take because the take is whatever. I don't even know if I agree with the take. I think I disagree with the take. But the point is that like if you're going to call somebody out for a specific take, And then you're not going to reference or try not to reference anybody. And then he went on a long tour where he kept saying, well, if you conclude that it's Trace, it's you, not me. But everybody knows it's you. So why are we doing this? Why do you have to act so weird about it? Nobody cares. It's a a take. It's a sports take in a a week where there's quite literally nothing to talk about. So, uh, again, I I think everybody was just taking side or supporting us, taking the side that if you're going to call somebody out, Call them out. Don't call out nobody. Don't say, if you know, you know. Because I think that's weird. I think that's nonsense. And I yeah, and that's what's all, and, and the crazy thing about it is, is, like, I don't care. I think that people
1: think I... Like, they think that we care, or maybe maybe some of you do. I like, care. Yeah, you, you seem to take it personally. I just don't care. It's kind of like... Uh, the analogy I'll use is, I, I, I went and played some pickup basketball late last night. And, um, you know, if you show up to the courts... And you're watching some guys play and they're and they're just not at the level in which you're at, or they're they're not as good of player as you are, you just you're indifferent to the whole thing. You just don't really pay attention to them. You don't care. You you go out on the court and you have fun, but it's not really that serious. You're not taking it intensely. You're you're not you're not trying to to to, to go all in. And that's where I'm at with this. I just don't care. Like there's not, there's not, if, if, if put it this way, if Moe Egger uh, came out and said something like said that we were doing something poorly, I would, I would genuinely take that to heart. I, I would, I would take that criticism and I would try to utilize it and, and learn from it, but the people that are saying things negatively, I just, it, it doesn't register and I know that people yeah. think that I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm not making that up. I just don't care.
0: Tell me why I should care. I don't. Well, I, I care a little bit just because I think there comes to a point with this slander nonsense that it gets tired when when your whole shtick is is your like your purpose in life is to slander uh, somebody else. Like I I think that's wrong, and and I don't want any of this smoke. I don't want any of it. I hate being called out. I hate uh, even if I have a terrible take and somebody says Elliot you have a terrible take. Like when Mister Moe says I have a terrible take once every three hours, and, and it's it's just one of those things where it's like. Yeah, I should probably—I probably shouldn't have had that take, and I try to change my mind and justify it. But that's okay. That's the point of the show. I just have an issue. I have an issue with uh, making it your life's mission to uh, offend, uh, hurt somebody else's feelings. I don't think that's right. I don't think you're—I do- don't think you're serving a, a purpose. I just try to be as funny as possible. That's my only mission. I just try to be stupid enough for people to like me and laugh at me. That's it. I don't want any of this Reds Twitter nonsense. I don't care what side you're on in the war. I just want to make people laugh. And and again, I think some people, instead of that rationale, they go, I just want to hurt people. And it's just like, how do you live your life like that? That's not fun. That's not a fun way to go about it. I just want to sit here and make my Castellini jokes in peace. That's all I want to do. And then there's other people who just want to tear us all down.
1: So, Got a super chat, Elliot. Go for it.
0: Hold on. Let me find it
1: um it's it's right on on the screen if you want to read it
0: okay uh mr mo 999 uh hashtag locked on cowards i had to read that won't stand in the won't stand in the paint what's funny is they are the reason i found chatterbox i can no longer listen to that corporate ad filled nonsense they pass off as a show again i had to read that that was a, a a super chat but yeah mr mo thank you for thank you for finding us that's that means a lot so here's the thing. Um, if you've watched here long enough, you get the deal. Uh, th-
1: this is a, it's a small business, man. And we find ways in which to make it work. Uh, I think sometimes, uh, perception can, can be reality, but, but, uh, we, we have nice things from time to time. We go on, we, we, we take every little, and I, I will say this with a straight face, every single dollar that has been made at this company between myself and Sean from a revenue standpoint, we put right back into the company, the whole thing. Not even a single penny has ever gone into the pockets of either of us. And that's not to say, Oh, look how proud we should be. You should say we're the greatest. No, it's just sacrifice. That's the beautiful thing about this country is I don't know why you got to beat up on other programs or other businesses when you live in a country that allows you to have the freedom to do the same thing we've did. The only difference is, is that I and others have taken incredible risks, dumb risk. Someone's called stupid. I left Xerox at a job where I was making great money, but I hated my life. So I said, you know what? The hell with this. I'd rather go on welfare. I'd rather be poor. I'd rather be broke and at least give myself a chance of enjoying something. So what do we do? We start some companies. We have a little bit of success. We then rob Peter to pay Paul to start chatterbox. We start doing high school sports. And it all adds up to where we're at now. And then all of a sudden you have some success in this stage. And it's, you know, you got ops that want to say that you're funded by the Castellini. So you know what? I say, yeah. (laughs) Why not? If the Castellini's want to buy us, love it. Come in and pay the man. Well, we won't change. But, hey, we're open for business, as Tom would say. Tom was over here and be like, We're open for business. That's right. We're open for business.
0: I hope So to- I'm I'm pandering as much as one can. So you're you're confirming that the Castellinis are part ownership of the Chatterbox sports? No.
1: No, um, no, not not currently.
0: Damn. Well, Not currently, if, if, in, if,
1: in fact, uh, Alex, uh, Alex, uh, Casey's lovely wife even mentioned. Hey, trust me, if we were funded by the Castellinis, I have a hell of a hard time paying you guys what I pay you, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you actually decide that you want to stick around here.
0: Uh, listen, if Bob, if Bob gets word of this drama, he looks. Bob certainly looks like a guy that gets on Twitter and all the social media apps all the time. He definitely does. So, I, if Bob looks at this, I, Bob, please don't search at E Train 513 Castellini. I don't think you're going to uh, like what you find when you search on that on Twitter. I have not been too kind. But uh yeah, I no, I I, I don't think Castellini's paying me. I Fair don't enough. believe so.
1: All right. Um that's some news and notes in, re- in regards to the old chatterbox drama from uh from yesterday and uh into the night. Uh we have some sports some resemblance of sports that Yeah, happened. a little bit.
0: Elliot, uh some things that happened yesterday that are uh noteworthy. Yeah. A very good team in Tennessee, Trace. They hung yeah. on to beat Missouri, yep. 72-67. If you rode with chatterbox bets, I took Missouri plus 11, I think. Nice, good job. It was covered easy. Uh, Creighton, they slaughtered UConn 85-66. It was the first time in school history that they beat a number one team in the country. The very first time. The Big East is starting to cannibalize itself a little bit. I like it. It's, it means it's a good conference. Um, I do. I will say, man. They when they beat each other up, they beat each other up hard. Thirty-point wins for UConn over Xavier and Marquette. Now a twenty-point win for Creighton over UConn. That's just wild. Uh, and, and Sean Spurlock's favorite league, the uh, what are they? The Mountain West, yeah. U- Utah State, they beat San Diego State at home at 68 Love that.
1: The one team that's good in that league, they, they, they take the L on purpose, so the lost. rest of the league looks good. And they
0: weren't favored in that game either. Uh, Texas Tech, they survived against TCU at home, 82-81. That was kind of a wild ending. Um, St. Mary's, a team that a lot of people are saying is very good. I, I believe they are pretty decent. They beat San Francisco 70-66. In a WCC matchup. Uh, That's pretty much it for college basketball. But now, in other news, golf, Live Golf's Joaquin, or Joaquin, Joaquin Joaquin Neiman, among three to get Masters invitations. Mm -hmm. And this is a quote The Masters tournament has a long standing tradition of inviting leading international players who are not otherwise qualified. Masters chairman Fred Ridley said today's announcement represents the tournament's continued commitment towards developing interest in the game of golf across the world. I think now I don't know what you think of this. Yeah. I, I Eventually all this stuff has to come back together. The live golf and the PGA golf, those tours just have to become at least, I, I don't know if you want to say, uh, uh, you know, with each other on a, Financial sense, like you're not in business with one another, but you have to at least recognize each other's leagues. I think it would be fun if you did like a live versus PGA type thing.
1: That'd be the most watched event of the year if they did a Ryder Cup that was similar to PGA versus live. The only thing about this live PGA thing. And I don't know how many people actually uh, really genuinely care. Um, but the only thing that really is interesting, maybe from a worldwide perspective or from a business perspective, or just kind of the, the social uh, aspect of all of this, is that the PGA tried to tried, tried to try strong-arm Live, right? They decided, you know what? If you go to Live, you can't come back to the PGA Tour. Well, the PGA Tour's problem is that the only—and and I, and I say this— um, the PGA the PGA tour has a lot of great events i'm not suggesting they don't and i think that their style of play and the way they go about it is is significantly more entertaining than the way in which live is trying to do it but but that's beside the point my my main point to all of this is is that the PGA doesn't have the most important tournaments that exist in golf they have no control over them. yeah so the the thing that the, the thing that almost everybody cares about The PGA has no control over. Now, some think that the PGA Championship, the PGA actually has control over, and they don't. They actually don't. Um, There's a backhanded way that they kind of do, but in the essence of the tournament itself, they don't own it. So you have the Masters, which is widely regarded as the the, the biggest tournament of them all, right? Um, That is certainly its own entity. has nothing to do with the PGA Tour. Then you you move on to the U.S. Open. Well, it's called Open for a reason. Anybody is allowed to play in the U.S. Open if you qualify. And then you move on, and then you have the Open Championship, which is more known as the British Open here in the States. Um, That is another tournament that is open to where anybody can play in as long as you qualify. And then you have the PGA Championship. And the thing is, is that these tournaments have come to realize that they just want the best players to play in them. And they don't want to get themselves in the middle of a muddy mess. And the biggest reason as to why I don't think they want to take sides is because when you have as much money as the Saudis do, and you have as much money as the, as, the, as the live, basically, infrastructure has, at some point, they can just, if they take it personal enough, if they decide they just want to drown you just because, even if it makes no financial sense in the world, well, they can. You know? It'd be like if, if, if that is the definition of FU money. Is what the is what yeah. the Saudis have, you know. You think Uncle you think Uncle Bob has it, you think Uncle Bomb has fu money. He doesn't have fu money compared to the Live, and that's what Live I think basically was doing to the PGA Tour. The business side of the p, of, of Live makes no sense. It'll never it'll never add up to making, you know, uh, on a spreadsheet when you're looking at p and L sheet uh, or EBITDA. any of the business terms you like to use they will never make sense. Live golf will be underwater for, uh, for, for the rest of time if they go about it the way they've been going about it right now. You can't pay golfers literally a billion dollars and think that that's going to turn out right side up. But it doesn't matter when you have the amount of money that they have. They don't care. It's a hobby. It's an opportunity to try to resurrect, if you want to call it that, sports washing, resurrect the image of the Saudis. And like it or not, it works. Sports washing has been happening for years, so at this point now it's clear and evident that PGA is in a bad spot, and that the tournaments have decided, you know what, the hell with it, we're gonna give up. Live is what it is. We're gonna we're gonna invite these people to play. So that's what I take from all of it.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I, I again, I have I have no quarrels with Live any longer. It's it's just one of those things. I wish. It would if it was stop such being such a big issue made by everybody, and I think that's the, the, a lot of the PGA guys. Rory's starting to walk back on stuff, and they're all just 100%. trying to—they're all just trying to move on. And, and they realize
1: there's going to be a merger, and you correct. don't want you don't want to you don't want to come into a marriage with a lot of uh, with a lot of bad correct bad baggage. So I and Rory is 100 the maybe the biggest example of a guy that was completely against it to now he's soft in his stance. And let's face it, how many of these guys? wish they could go back and take the money because they ultimately see in about a year, maybe two years down the line, it's going to go back to everybody's going to be back together anyways. Yep. And you either got paid what you got paid or you did it.
0: I, I think that that will be a regret for pretty much everybody. I don't think Tiger would have ever done it. Yeah, Tiger's and probably the only one. Right? And I, and I don't think Rory would have ever done it. Those two are pretty much cemented. Everybody else probably would have done it. Had they known it was going to be become what it is now anyway. Uh, but that's it there. We do have some other news. I was just sent this by our other producer, Casey. Love that. So FC Cincinnati is finalizing a loan move for Barial to Cruzeiro, I believe is how you pronounce that in Brazil, yep. Yep. Uh, a 4 million plus buy option per sources, uh, cruzero, paying loan, f- paying a loan fee to FCC up front. FCC has the option to terminate the loan. If offer exceeding the 4 million plus comes in, uh, FC also has a significant sell-on percentage from any future sale by Cruzeiro. That's according to Pat Brennan of the Enquirer. Now, uh, again, Pat Brennan says, why now? It, it appears that the Barial was, Casey, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Barial was always supposed to leave FC Cincinnati for some foreign team, right?
2: Yeah, he was wanting to basically move on from the MLS to go to a different league, a better league. So, And,
0: and apparently that, the initial plan for him did not work out. Uh, and he just, I, I believe, he paved the way for this deal for Cruziro for four million, and he just wanted out. He no longer wanted to play um, in FC. He wanted, no longer to play in Cincinnati. So that's very sad. But FC yeah. loses a player.
2: Yeah, it's a big, it's a, it's a big loss. I mean, he's probably a top five player for FC last year, uh, one of the better left wingers um, on the team. Uh, definitely one of the better wingers on our team, and uh, now. With that being said, um, it looks like FC is probably going to target some guy outside of the organization to be the right wing. They're going to just move over Kubo or uh, – or I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, but Orlano. Orlano. Yeah. Um, so sure. I know Kubo. Kubo is very versatile. Um, we should be okay. He's serviceable if that ends up being the guy there. But, uh, yeah, they, they are going to try to probably find a guy to replace – top five player on the team it's hard to do
0: could you imagine if other sports had this where you could it's just tough. where you could just buy another player on any team really to be
2: fair though that that deal is very significant for fc that four million dollars is sure. nothing it it, it it seems like nothing compared to the other leagues but that's a lot for the mls that's uh but they I, could go find another great player i'm
0: just saying like imagine in the nfl or mlb let's say the yankees want uh ellie de la cruz we don't want him forever, but we'll take him for this year. We'll take him.
2: Well, it would be more like it'd be more like the the Yalls. You purchasing a player from the Yalls, right?
0: Yeah. For sure. or, or that. It already
2: happened. The only reason this happens
1: in MLS is because they're not the top league. Clearly, I mean that's the that's the part of this that uh, that that's. I don't know. The thing I mean, is, to-, to, to each person, to the to their own, right? Uh, that's that's the, that's the thought, I guess. You could make that case for the Reds too, right? Like, <laughs> I'm gonna be careful here
0: very careful please let me
1: let me slow down my train of thought but I, I like making like small analogies to make you kind of think about things yeah this is more of a thought-provoking thing uh-huh. but you could say that there's levels to every single league and even side even inside the same league there's other levels do we want to convince ourselves that the Cincinnati Reds are in the in the Dodgers are the same same thing um do we want to sit here and act like that this couldn't basically happen it's different leagues yes but at the same time the reds and the reds and the dodgers are theoretically going after the same kind of guys but one team can do it and one team can't yeah. the the let's face it the mls teams just can't pay the amount of money that it requires to pay the top guys and the top guys similar to live are probably also Wanting to, so the reason that some of the guys stayed on the PGA Tour instead of going to live was because of, because of they wanted to compete at the highest level possible, yeah. even though there was more money to be made somewhere else. Well, when you add in the most money possible and the best competition, you're not gonna, you're, people are not gonna stay in the MLS. That's just basic common sense. And that's where we're
2: staying right now with the MLS. And hopefully, I didn't get myself in trouble. And the other thing, too, to, to, to clarify how loans work, too. European teams can loan out players to lower leagues so then they can get better. That's kind of what happened with, like, in in a sense, that can be what happened with Barial in a way. Like, some of these guys that we've received uh, along the years, um, not Barial, a guy that just left, I can't uh, remember his name off the top of my head, uh, Brenner. He wasn't necessarily um, part of the mls before he was on, on a, in a higher league and then he got sent down the mls that can happen too when you loan out players okay so think of it more like trading think of it more like trading are we the AAA?
1: It, is ml uh, for, for those who don't pay attention at all we'll we'll, uh, we'll uh, promptly end the soccer talk and by soccer i mean football <laughs> um we'll, we'll end the talk right now but i genuinely want to know in the chat and on, this isn't disparaging by any stretch of the imagination what what level Compared to the MLB is the MLS. Is this double A, single A, triple A? What level? I'm curious. Genuinely curious. If you would let me know in the chat, that would be fantastic. Uh, other, any other more news notes uh, that are worthy that we missed, uh, uh, I, Elliot Rearing?
0: I don't believe there's any more news or notes other than NFL. It's time to t- start tagging guys, uh, yep. franchise tagging them. So expect to see a couple of those today.
1: <laughs> there's people in the chat saying Little League. That is disrespectful. <laughs>
0: If Trace, can I can I offer, can I read you a, a trade proposal? Evan brought up a really good trade proposal. Do you care if I read you one? On top of we're we're gonna do we're gonna do a trade proposal at the top of the show. Let's hear it. So this is what Evan Maurer says uh, or Mara says. I, Evan, I, I need to know how to pronounce your last name. I think it's Mara. Uh, this is uh, again completely random. We don't know anything about this trade. This is just what Evan says.
1: All right, let me hear it.
0: Bobby Witt Jr., Aroldis Chapman, Zach Greinke for Ch- Chase Petty, Edwin Arroyo, Reese Hines, Balcazar, and two other prospects. Would you do it? <laughs> what a joke. Would you do it? Bobby this, Witt, Chapman, Greinke. This is Granke. obviously a bit. I, I yeah. don't know
1: what this is. It's a bit. First of all, the Royals are never. The Royals are never going to trade Bobby Witt.
0: That would be correct.
1: Like ever. That would be correct. I mean, why don't we just talk about the Reds trading Matt McLean and Ellie De La Cruz in a package deal to the to, to, to Dodgers for Shohei Otani? That's, you want to do that? Me I mean, we what's the point? What are we doing? All right, let's talk about some Reds. Uh, Matt McLean yesterday had an oblique injury, and that uh, sent uh, Twitter into a little bit of a frizzy. Um, I, I think we're in a spot now where... There is the the past that the Reds have had that bleeds into what we feel now today, right? We have some scar tissue as Reds fans with injuries. It dates pretty much back, at least in my lifetime, and maybe back farther for some of you, to King Griffey Jr., a guy that comes over, world-class player, ultimately career-altered, mostly from the injury you move forward you sign a guy like uh i don't know homer bailey to a major deal you have injury fast forward to try to make this relatively swift you get to hunter green he signs a deal last year he gets injured you got these new prospects you're excited about matt mclean Unbelievable season last year. We get down towards the end of the season, and we have half our teams hurt. Matt McLean, probably, in my opinion, the biggest blow of them all. It felt like we were teetering around, playing with fire for the longest time last year, whether or not, whether we could get Lodolo to come back and be healthy. What happens with him? He's supposed to come back. He re-injures something. He's out. Hunter Green, thankfully, though, he did come back. But point being, Graham Ashcraft, we can go down the laundry list of names that have been hurt on this franchise of recent time. uh, That, unfortunately, like it or not, have played a big role in the non-success, the unsuccess, that this franchise has had. I don't want to forget about Moustakas, either. I do think some of that was laziness, but you know what? He's also injured. So, you take all this scar tissue from the past... And you fast forward, and, and 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 like it or not, I would even add Joe Burrow into that mix. For somebody as big of a figure as Joe Burrow, the situation of him getting hurt also adds into this. I really do believe that there's this there's this mindset that becomes a real thing. To where now you hear yesterday that Matt McLean re-injures something, and it could be super small. Let's face it, it, it that's what that's how they're acting is as if it is. To be clear, it's not the same exact spot that he injured last year. David Bell cleared up during a press conference yesterday that they had an MRI scan. The MRI, thankfully, came back clean. David did say transparently, above all things, I was actually shocked that David Bell said this, but David Bell said that if he had seen that it was the same injury as last year, he would have been very concerned, in his words, not mine, that the fact that he had all offseason to do pt and try to get that right in just a few days into spring training it's re-injured again but to be clear it seems as if the reds are optimistic because it's not the same exact area let's face it this could go one or two ways and i don't think that any of us really know what the ultimate answer is going to be of which way this is going to go like it or not obliques are a terrible injury they are very finicky it's something that can just pop up like that. You break your ankle, you get your ankle healed up, everything's cleared, more times than not. Yes, will there be a little more vulnerability perhaps on that ankle than usual? Yes, but it's not something that you're going to find out and you just randomly one day, you know, taking some swings and then boom, it flares up again. So Matt McLean has another oblique injury. Supposed to be out seven days. Now we're in a position here with the Cincinnati Reds, where you have people that are obviously uh, claiming that this is why you go out and you add depth. That's fine. No, there's nothing wrong with saying that. But we can all agree on we can all agree that this Reds team is going to rely on hopefully. And I'm not even saying it needs to be the same production because the production that Matt McClain provided was insane last year in the short time he was here. But I will say it if you won't Matt McLean has to be a good player for this team to be relatively where we want them to be Because if he's not there, then you're mixing and matching. And mixing and matching is perfectly fine. Let me be clear. On a day in day out basis where you're just trying to get people guys rest and you're just trying to make it. But at when it comes nut cutting time, we need Matt McLean. And I think Matt McLean Again, we'll get to a reds list here in a moment of of, of some guys that I'm excited to see and progress and see what ultimately ends up happening. But we need Matt McClain. And the concern is valid. I don't think that if you're a negative fan, if your concern's the right word. Angry seems a little much right now. But concerned about the fact that this guy, face it, has been out due to the same injury two different times now. Now, they could say they're being precautious, but come on. He got hurt taking BP. And in Matt McLean's words, to be fair to him, okay, Matt McLean stated yesterday to Charlie Goldsmith um, that he needs to realize that he's going to have to take it a little bit easier when it comes to his BP routines. Now, I understand what he was getting at in the sense that he... He's taking a lot of aggressive swings very, very quickly, and, and and maybe he's just kind of utilizing that area of his body far too much in a short period of time. But that's also concerning to me. I'm not here to raise the flag and say, hey, you should be you should be incredibly concerned either. I'm just saying, personally, I am concerned about a guy that, yes, missed a significant part of last year, and, oh, by the way, he was going to try to come back remember he got himself in a position where he was taking BP and we thought we were going to get him towards the end of the season and yep. make a play playoff push and he had another setback in that same time frame so you have all off season to get yourself healthy is it more concerning to you that it's a different area both ways are bad I get it But to say you're not concerned at all about it is probably being a little naive. But to jump off the deep end as well, and to sit here and act like the season's over, seems to be a stretch as well. I'm going to try to be, they say ignorance is bliss in life. And I got to be honest, I think a lot of times it is. I'm going to try to play naive, Mr. Naive. I'm going to try to act like this news really didn't even happen. I'm going to wait a couple weeks and just hope and pray that it just goes away. It just goes away,
0: Elliot. I, think, I don't know if that's going to happen, I don't think but that's what I'm hoping I don't think for. it'll go away just because of how these injuries have affected the Reds over the past, really f- since 2019. 2019, we got, you know, Yasiel Puig. That that was an exciting team. Uh, Matt Kemp for a day. Shout out Matt Kemp. He wanted to leave. He wanted to know part of Cincinnati. But you, you talk about all these teams, and they've all been really dealing with the same thing. And that's late in the season. They all get hurt. They all get hurt. I don't want to make a big deal about it. But you saw it with Nick Senzel, and I don't mean to pick on Nick Senzel. But Casey, what is the best ability? Availability. Nick Senzel was never available. Now, was that because the Reds mismanaged him? Maybe. They had him running around all over the field. Outfield, center field, left field, right field, shortstop, third base, second base, first base. They had Senzel everywhere. Probably probably wasn't the recipe for success for a guy to stay healthy.
1: But Spencer, Spencer Steele will be a good example this year to see if that makes a difference or spe- not. Or if it's Spencer just played
0: 156 games last year. Right. Day. 156 games. I do think there's an issue on this team right now, at least, and maybe it's maybe it's their babying them. I don't know yet. These are or these are young guys. You don't want to push them to the max. But I I I you the only way this team is successful, and really any team ever, and this is pretty much an obvious point, but I'm gonna say it anyway. If the whole team is, if we're going to use 75 different players this year again, we have no chance, no chance to be successful. It's going to have to have consistent playing. If you And I think people got all upset uh, over, I think it was yesterday or the day before, that David Bell basically wanted to keep the same mantra of platooning guys. Not everybody's going to start every day. Nobody's earned any. It's not about earning anything. It's just about changing the lineup up, keeping guys fresh. I think that's the way to go 100%.
1: David Bell made a statement that uh, 11 guys, he feels like they have 11 everyday players that are legit everyday MLB players. Now, you can laugh at that or not. I'm just telling you what he said. He said that he thinks they have 11 legit MLB everyday players and that he's going to try to make it – practical for them to feel like they're an everyday player this year by by mixing and matching. And he thinks that that's very doable over what he said is a 162-game season.
0: Correct. And, and again, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not worried about it because I am. I, I've, I've watched my teams. I just watched my football team lose its quarterback again. Um, so yeah, I, I would say I'm concerned about this Matt McClain injury. I'm not freaking out over it yet. He's going to be out a week as of right now. Usually with these things, that week gets pushed into two weeks just for precaution's sake. But then you're always worried about it. I'm worried about Hunter Green still. Hunter Green's a guy this year that I really think can can take that next step, be the bona fide ace that we, A, paid him to be, and B, is. I think he, gen- I think he genuinely is. When you can throw two million pitches at 100-plus miles an hour, you're showing me something. Matt McClain last year, in the very short time he was up, was one of the best players in baseball. Would have won rookie of the year. If he would have stayed healthy, I'm going to make the claim he would have beat out Corbin Carroll for rookie of the year in a in a limited time.
1: Well, let's just say this. People are going to make people are going to people are going to push back on what you just said in regards to Corbin Carroll, okay? Because Corbin Carroll is a great player. Great player. But here's the thing. Corbin Carroll is not the traditional rookie in my opinion, right? Like he was a great player. You can make the case that if uh well, not I don't think it's a case, but if you had to take Jonathan India's year when he won Rookie of the Year, and you flop that with Matt McLean, then Matt McLean wins Rookie of the Year the same year. Um, Elliot, put the, the quote back up there from McLean yeah. here. For those that don't know or did not see it, uh, Matt McLean said, "Look, quote, looking back on it, uh, there's nothing that's going to match the intensity of me hit, intensity of me hitting in the cage versus me hitting live." He then went on to say, "That's not the same as BP swings. I've got to be smarter about it moving forward." Luckily. It looks like we avoided something. I'll take some days and get back at it. He goes on to say then, I just got ahead of myself. I felt good for a while over the course of the offseason. I was just doing too much every day, every single day. With obliques, they're touchy. You've got to watch them closely. Um, Yeah, I mean, he obviously has training workouts that he feels like he goes hard And unfortunately, in his mind now, he feels like he's probably going to have to taper that back. Does that ultimately affect him? I don't know. I mean, I don't really love when people have to adjust what they've traditionally done to be successful um, for anything. But again, I'm not going to overreact with the McLean news. It could be water under the bridge in three weeks and we're all done long forgotten about this whole situation on opening day. But it just becomes frustrating that we find ourselves in positions here where... I have not done a good enough job to look around Major League Baseball's history of, of, of franchises and figure out how often guys get hurt or don't get hurt. And then the, the unfortunate part—I don't know how much you fall into this category, Elliot—with the training staff, it seems like you're always going to have a, a portion of the fan base or a segment of, of the population that are going to try to blame the trainers or blame the way in which these guys go about, you know, their their uh, health, if you will. It seems like there's—it's such a big business. Major League Baseball is such an individualized sport that most of these guys, one, have their own personal trainers. They're taking care of their bodies about as much as one could possibly take care of. I just think some of it's bad luck and some of it's genetics. I'm not going to kill the training staff. Now, I'm also going to put my hand up and say that 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 couldn't possibly be some of the case because I genuinely don't know. I just would have a hard time believing that it's the training staff and if, if Matt McClain played for a different organization or if any of these guys that have been hurt before played for a different organization that they would, have, they would have had success of staying on the field because they had better trainers at that organization. Now I do think that there are some doctor's opinions that you could push back on but more times than not when someone gets hurt and they have to have a doctor where they're going to get surgery. This is a well-sought-out a well process by the individual player on who they think is best to take care of them. Now, the bigger, the bigger point for those that are saying, well, what about the guys? There are guys, to be fair, right, that are younger, that don't have the money right now. They're still in the MILB. They're still in the minor leagues to where they don't have the money to be able to go out and find the world's best doctor like a la Joey Votto would. So maybe there's some pushback on that. And to be fair, just put my hand up in the air. I've not done a ton of research on whether or not other organizations have the same issues as the Cincinnati Reds. So it'd be bad for me to go down that path.
0: The past couple of seasons for the Reds, they have used 60-plus players, um, 60-plus different players. 65 last year. I think it was 64 the year before that. You have to get that number down. Because you're up there with Oakland and the Angels. You're up there with teams that aren't good. And I don't know if it's all health or if it's just because they're young teams, not great teams, but you're using too many players in a given season when you need a a set group of guys. And again, it's 162 games. It's going to be difficult to stay healthy the entire way. Everybody knows that. You're going to have a couple pitchers miss a month. It it happens. It's baseball. It's wear and tear. It's it's, It's how it goes. It's also why people get so upset at, uh, when, when a pitcher goes five innings these days? Why isn't Hunter Green going seven innings? It's just not the way the, the sport works anymore. You want to keep your guys as healthy and as fresh as possible, and that's the way to do it. Yeah. I'm not saying I don't want Hunter Green to go eight innings. I'm just saying that's the way the whole major, the whole landscape of Major League Baseball operates.
1: Yeah, it's a so, thought process for sure. I, I've, I do think that there are times in which early in the season, sure, but when you get down towards the end of the year, you can't convince me. And I know I'm still stuck on this. I, should, I, need, to, I need to move past it. But I, I, you, you'll never convince me that taking Hunter Green out against the Twins
0: was the right move. <laughs> when and was this? Under any circumstance. What, por- what portion of the season was this? Well, uh, here's the thing. I oh, think I I, that was sport. the game we went to, right? We went to the game. That's right. That's right.
1: He was shoving. I mean, he was shoving. And I get it. You know, it was, it was like the seventh or maybe it was the seventh inning. I think they took him out. Eighth inning. But... Who knows? Maybe they would have, maybe it wouldn't have mattered anyways. They would have brought in the next guy. He'd have given up runs. Or if Hunter Green stayed out there, he would have given up runs. You never know. That's why it's fun to second guess people because ultimately you, you have no, you have no way of really knowing whether you're right or wrong. Uh, but the person that has to make the decision does. All right. Uh, top 10. You wanted me to make a top 10 Reds list. Yes. Because we were trying to keep the show fun and entertaining. We, got a we do have a super first. chat from Michael. Michael is, uh, is man, he is the the super chat king, man. This dude's a. This dude supports us more than uh, more than. I don't know to say I, I was gonna say something bad about make a joke about my family, but you know it just seemed distasteful. Uh, <laughs> all right, Michael. Uh, Twenty bucks, he said. Twenty for the Goodyear Arizona Reds road trip. I'll send more if you guys promise to film a show from a middle of nowhere Crystal Burgers fake news White Castle.
0: <laughs> I'll do it. Crystal
1: Crystal Burgers is that is that I, I, I'm, I'm this is where i'm uh, showing my non-culture that i've heard i've seen crystal the sign is that a, is that essentially like uh he said fake news white castle that's essentially like white castle i think so gotcha yeah. oh, i mean i'll go there if it's on the way i don't want to lose any time though you know we got to get there lickety split heaven forbid we make our 27 hour trip 27 hours and 10 minutes
0: did you explain the whole thing on chatterbox reds you explained exactly what we're doing there the, the trip in, in itself because I don't think people understand how difficult it's going to be. I think you're I, making it sound like we have the we're we're
1: we're going to go on the uh, the world's toughest uh, well escapade.
0: Or something. I well I think it might I, I I think you're driving from Cincinnati to Arizona in a van. It's me. how did you say Cincinnati? Huh? How'd you just say Cincinnati? Say it again. Cincinnati. Okay, I didn't hear that. What did I? What did I say? I, I thought you said like Cincinnati. No, something, I didn't something. say Cincinnati. Right. I said Cincinnati. Okay. It, it, Go it's, ahead. Gonna, it's gonna be a long trek. It's gonna be just Kirby, Trace, and I, and a videographer. Yeah. Uh, I can't even imagine the smells of that van about four and a half hours in. Um, but I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be stressful. But that's okay. Do you stink? I don't I'm just On saying I'm just saying that that the van itself I'm not
1: stink. gonna stink the question is you're talking about the smell of the van I'm worried I, about well, who, who are we talking about I don't know now let's now, now, now let's stand in the paint and talk about what you're talking about now let's not sit know. here and beat around the bush where we're, 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 we're men of honor around here we're gonna say what we think I so think, I'm asking you the question right now I'm not going to stink you
0: said you're not gonna stink
1: so you're either suggesting that I'm gonna stink or Nick's gonna stink. What are you? What, what ultimately were you referencing? I now? could have be
0: referencing the videographer. He might stink. Oh, that's oh, the out we're gonna so take. He might stink. Okay, uh, but yeah, listen, man, it's, it we ought to be ship you over to the other side. We should do. Uh, we should do a live show from the Grand Canyon. That's what we should do. We'll get on the on the glass. What's the walkway there? The sky view, the sky glass, and we'll get up there and we'll film it from the Grand Canyon. But you have a top ten list, Trace.
1: Yeah, I have a top ten list here. Uh, Elliot put me, uh, put me, uh, uh, basically was was waterboarding me this morning. Was like, you got to do a list. You got to do a list. Well, it's so, because you made so, one of my lists. I did, but so so I'll do a list. Uh, these are the uh, these are the top ten Reds. Let me be very clear before I start this because I really am tired of people, you know, taking little small bits of what I what we say around here and then use them for something completely different. I don't know, like you know, you're talking about. Vikings not wanting to give guaranteed contracts. The next thing you know, we're talking about labor unions and Major League Baseball. But uh, I digress. These are the top 10 reds that I'm most looking forward or most interested in and watching this season and seeing how it progresses and plays out. Okay? I don't think this is the 10 best reds. I'll say that one last time. These are the 10 players that I think are the most intriguing, interesting, players that I'm looking forward to seeing what happens now the hardest part with this is me going to have to remember my list I do know at number 10 was the new guy we just brought him over here people were shouting his name yesterday because he provides depth in the infield and that is Candelario now the biggest thing with Candelario is trying to make sure that I figure out how to say his first name fast and or appropriately Jaymear, I believe that's it. Jameer. I believe that's it. Jameer Candelaria. Um, hopefully there's some good reps that come in there during spring training. I can hear announcers say it and I can just kind of get in the feel of it. But nonetheless, this guy's come over and we didn't see it coming. Many of us Reds fans, if you would have put a poll out there and said, Hey, we're going to sign a free agent that is going to be a, a, a multi-year deal upwards of you know 20 30 million dollars, what do you think that it, that that player is going to be? none of us and maybe I'm wrong on a few, but none of us probably would have suspected it would have been an infielder largely because we thought that we wanted a big right-handed bat in the outfield or somebody that was going to provide some pop as a right-handed bat. It turns out it was Candelario. Candelario is a guy that provides this team with some flexibility. I'm interested to see what this guy looks like and how he can produce. both sides of the plate it's not something that this is a guy this is a guy that is going to limit the platoon opportunities that exist for someone like himself because he's not going to be a platoon type of guy so you don't have to worry about that we have a lot of those guys on this team Candelario is not one of them all right at number nine as I sit here and I wait for all the graphics because I'm not there's zero chance I'm going to remember every single one of these is Will Benson. I said it before, I'll say it again. Will Benson's a guy I could see hovering around the opportunity of being the last guy on the roster um, in regards to him struggling, to be clear. But I could also see him being an all-star. He is one of the biggest X factors that this team has. Let's face it, when Will Benson was playing well, I don't want to say we took it for granted, but he was a big reason as to why this team made a great push and whether he can get better defensively time will tell but if he could get just cleaned up and again i don't know the defensive metrics right in front of me i'm sure the fan graphs and and, and the, the the you know basically all the pie charts and all those things might tell me differently but when i watch him play outfield there's times where i think to myself we could polish that up a little bit but from the plate, this guy can be dangerous. He gets on base, he's got speed. The biggest thing that I love about this team, that I loved last year, is they have speed. Will Benson has that. So I'm looking forward to see what Will does. I'm hoping it's not a, uh, a fluke, if you will, of what happened last year. I don't think it'll be a fluke. Late last
0: year. I do think it is cool how Will Benson came up and was literally one of the worst players I've ever seen for about, what was that, th- 10 games, 15 games, whatever it was? Yes. And then he came back from from triple a and literally tore the cover off the baseball i and again that's that's a credit to him and he probably has in a lot of people's minds especially a lot of the new fans that are just getting into the reds like casey there's a lot of people that he probably has the number one moment of their lifetime and again this is just this is just the people that just have joined the ship joined the rocket ship that is this the the new age cincinnati reds yeah when he hit that walk off it again similar to ellie brought something to this city that we have not seen in a very long time so shout out to my boy will benson
1: that he is and he's an unbelievable um, personality i i you can't not possibly like will benson if you just are around him at any at any point he uh he fills up the room uh if you will with uh with positivity anytime you're around him and i it's hard not to root for a guy like that so uh, Godspeed to Will Benson. T.J. Friedel coming in at number eight, another big-time X-Factor, another guy where, again, most of my list consists of is this, is this guy for real or not? Fraud's a strong term. I don't want to say fraud, but is he fraud or for real? Is there, is, there, is there a legitimacy to what T.J. Friedel was able to do last year to where now we can just pencil him in? He is our everyday center fielder, We're going to provide great defense, but more importantly, he's able to hit lefty on lefty, and he also uh, produces at the plate, and he still provides the speed that we continue to talk about. I've said it before, I'll say it a million more times. The center field position is a position that this team, this franchise, has begged for for quite some time. I'm hopeful that TJ Friedel is the Julia, Julian Edelman of the center field for the Cincinnati Reds, as Edelman was for the Patriots. You never really expected mm-hmm. him to be that guy in, 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 uh, in New England, right? Um, Wes Welker, he can't be better than Wes Welker. Well, I don't know. Turns out he can be. He might be. TJ Friedel, everybody's probably suspecting that he's there's, there's just no chance that he could be one of the best center fielders in all of Major League Baseball. I don't know. But that's the type of stuff that has to happen to get this team in a position and this franchise in a position where they are World Series favorites. You got to hit on some lottery picks.
0: TJ Friedel's one of them. I mentioned, I mentioned the stat earlier in the week, but I think it's absolutely incredible. This guy had like 550 plate appearances and grounded into zero double plays. He did not ground into a single double play throughout the entire season. We got guys, and again, I say this with love and I say this with respect. Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan i I'm pretty sure they combined for like 32 double plays. We got Friedel grounding into zero. That's incredible. Not to mention what he does defensively. Offensively, he's a star. I love this guy. By the way, people don't like the bunt base hit. The bunt base hit is one of the most effective in baseball if you can do it right. TJ yep. Friedel's got that skill down.
1: TJ Friedel does that anytime. The one thing I realized about TJ Friedel, he's a heady player and he's a smart player. Every time that he felt like he was out of position or he felt like he was a little overmatched with a lefty-on-lefty matchup, I don't know if you noticed this, but he would try and attempt a bunt hit every single time. And he wasn't afraid to bunt with two strikes as well, which I think is is, is relatively smart. That seems to be another analytical kind of uh, uh, thing that I might buy into. You know, that the teams in the NFL, they're starting to go for two when they're down by 14 on the first touchdown to give themselves a chance to kick the field goal and win uh, or tie the game with another two-point conversion if they fail. I, I would be ventured as, I'd be interested to see at least for those that do bunt, how many more two-strike bunt attempts do we start to get? Because you don't have to lay down nearly as good of a bunt on two strikes. Yep. Um, n- not, not that certainly I played long enough to, to, to say this with, a, with an absolute fact, but the first time I remember even being in a position where I would bunt with two strikes because it was taboo when I was younger, you know, in Little League and certainly in, in you know, travel ball. And then when you get to high school, no one ever considered bunting with two strikes. And then I got to college and I think it was my first at bat where I was asked to sacrifice and I did a terrible job because I didn't get the first two down. And sure enough, I get the bunt sign at with two strikes and we get done with the game. And I was like, I, I, and I bunted it right back to the pitcher on the second time and it worked and get done after the game. And coach basically said, listen, your job's to bunt uh, in that situation. If you can't get the job done, then you're just out and uh, never really thought of it like that. But I do think that more and more the realize you become comfortable bunting with two strikes and you actually, believe it or not, at least I became to where there was less pressure that I felt when two strikes were occurred because I knew from a sacrifice perspective, I could genuinely just bunt the ball almost damn near right back to the pitcher and they would not suspect that I was bunting and it would work. Um, So anyways, we'll see how much more TJ Friedel decides to bump with two strikes. Hunter Green uh, comes in at seven. It's largely based off the fact that this guy is just... He is probably the one that's put on the biggest pedestal around here in regards to the starting rotation of what the expectations are for him coming into the year versus what we might actually get. Again, I've said it. I don't know if this guy really needs to be a frontline guy, but I do need him to be consistent. So I'm interested to see what this health, what the injury situation looks like for Hunter Green. If he's able to have... Again, I'd say even roughly, what's the average starter probably that goes all year long in Major League Baseball with 28, 29 starts? Yeah, somewhere I went 25. In there.
0: I, went, I just want 25. 25 seems like
1: I was going to say 20. If I can get 20 solid starts out of him, um, I don't want to say I'm going to be thrilled to death, but I feel like that's progress. If, so I'm open to that. If they go to the postseason, obviously that's different, but I'm talking about 20 regular season starts.
0: We can't speculate on speculation, but we can. if Hunter Green – is unable to, and again, I don't like to use this as a knock on guys because it sometimes it isn't their fault, but if he isn't able to stay healthy this year, this year, do we start to change how we view Hunter Green? Because I think that's, we're getting close. We're not there yet. He's very, very young. But if, he's, uh, if he misses three months again this year, I'm starting, I'm starting to get worried. I'm Can st-
1: I do something that's fun and entertaining? I'm starting Sports to get talk? concerned, yeah. <clears throat> I think that uh, Hunter Green and Joe Burrow are in the same boat. Yeah, I think I they're in the exact same boat. I think that they're in a position where if they go out and they perform this following year, people are going to go into that next offseason and they're not even going to give a second thought about the injury history either one of those guys have had. If either one of those guys goes into next year and they have some sort of semblance of an injury situation, they will be they will be crowned or they will be talked about as being injury prone. Like it or not, that's a fact. Whether they are injury-prone or not, I'm not here to debate that. I'm just saying the perception of those players will be that they're injury-prone. So Hunter Green, more importantly, more than anything, the splitter, the new pitches, all of the stuff that I'm hearing, listen, if he can just—Hunter Green's game is simple. If he's able to locate his fastball and he can just throw a secondary pitch for a strike, I don't give a damn— what it is i don't care what his secondary pitch is if he can throw it for a strike consistently and more importantly the number one thing for him is can he locate his fastball he will be fine the issue with hunter is if he gets behind counts he doesn't have a secondary pitch he can throw for a strike and ultimately at the end of the day you're facing major league hitters and they're sitting on one pitch and you don't locate it that well i don't care how hard he throws it he can throw it 100 miles an hour it's going to get hit And it has gotten hit. So I'm interested to see again. Maybe, just maybe, the new pitches will help. And I'm not downplaying them. And I'm not trying to sit here and suggest that maybe you shouldn't be excited about the new pitches. But more importantly for me is, can the guy stay on the field? Can he locate his fastball? Those are the two things I'd like to see. Can he get ahead of counts? Finish guys off with with secondary pitches that he's able to throw for strikes consistently. All right. Uh, Number six. Alexis Diaz. Alexis Diaz, I think, is a guy that has come to know in this city as very reliable. Uh, Rightfully so. He's an all-star. And he's been consistent, and he's been great. But I'm interested to see if he can do it one more time. And it's not that I'm a hater. It's not that I'm wanting to be Mr. Pessimistic. It's just that I am semi-concerned about a guy that's the the vast majority of his success is on pitches that are not strikes at some point i'm worried and i'm not saying i'm right about this i'm just suggesting this is a little this is a little cause for concern will the league catch up to him at some point and be able to lay off pitches that aren't strikes because if they do there may be issues we'll find out but it's just something to keep an eye on that's one of the most intriguing things that, I, I, that I'm that i looking forward to with Alexis Diaz is can he, can he continue to get guys out? And you know what? He might not need to throw for a strike. It might be a situation out there where these guys come up there, they're major league hitters. Some of them, like it or not, they have an ego. They don't want to walk. They're looking to get up there. They're looking to put the ball in play and looking to hit it hard. And if that's the case, maybe they'll continue to swing at the slider and it just so happens to be a ball and just so happens to be unhittable because if you're going to swing at a slider like Alexis Diaz, it's not a strike, you're not hitting it. And there's a lot of guys that just haven't hit it. So we'll see what Alexis Diaz has. Hand in the air, that's the one I'm concerned about the most. I hope I'm wrong. I genuinely do. But Alexis Diaz, number one guy that I'm semi-concerned about going into the 2024 season.
0: The last month of the season, he had a 8 ERA. Not good. I, now, some
1: might say he was tired.
0: I'm trying might, to defend him. Some might say he was tired. I am defending him, actually. I'm not trying to defend him. I am defending him. He he, he was worn down a little bit. He was. I, there's no doubt about it. But towards the end of the year, he he was he was not good. And, and I think that is what I'm most concerned about with with Diaz. I think maybe there's a chance he's reached his ceiling. He's reached his peak. And it's we're going down from there. Um, but I don't know. I I, I think Alexis Diaz has has the ability and at least showed it last year for the first several months of the year, that he is one of the best uh, closers in the National League. I think he can get to that point again. I, I, I have doubts. I'm having doubts. I'm having concerns. But as of right now, everything's all good. Everything's all good. I agree with you.
1: Yeah, I think it's more or less just maybe being worried as a fan than anything. I don't know if there's actually real cause for concern about Alexis Diaz. It's just that when you add up kind of the way in which he gets guys out, I just, again, to be clear, I worry about the ways in which if the league catches up to that or not. All right, at number five, Frankie Montaz. Uh, he's a guy that obviously come over from New York, has injury history, uh, which is not the slightest bit of the uh, the most relaxing thing to hear mm. when you hear about the Cincinnati Reds and their starting pitchers. They add somebody that has uh, just come off of a shoulder surgery. The biggest thing that, that's concerning maybe about the injury is that it is a shoulder. Uh, you've heard Dr. Krimchek say this before. You've heard other well-knowledgeable people about uh, rehabbing certain areas that become injured. The shoulder seems to be the one that's the most difficult to come back from. Um, we'll see. Frankie Montaz feels excited about it, though. He seems like he's in good spirits. He did get to come back last year and throw an inning. He said that that felt... Uh, that gave him a, a significant boost in confidence that he feels like he can still do it, uh, even though it was one inning. I got the chance to talk to him at Reds Fest, and the other part of this about Frankie is that he has—he's a guy that has pitched at the top of this league before. The ceiling is relatively high for this guy. Now, whether or not he gets there is yet to be determined. But again, most of this list, if you haven't t- haven't been able to know by now, is based off the idea of what it, of what we have and whether we have something or whether we don't. Montas is a guy that. Has received Cy Young votes. He also, in a weird way, I don't know why this gives me this gives me solace.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know why this gives me solace, but there's something uh, there's something refreshing about the idea of a guy starting in Oakland, going to New York, struggling in New York, coming to Cincinnati. And Sonny Gray is the reason for it. I'm not suggesting that he's going to have a career and or perform in the way in which Sonny did for this franchise, but there's something there that I have some optimism about. I don't know what it is about Frankie. Maybe it's his overconfidence. Maybe it's just the idea that this guy has had Cy Young uh, um, votes before, but he's a guy that I have, I have some weird optimism for. There's something, um, it's just a feeling. I can't, I can't tell you why I think Frankie's going to be great. I just have a feeling Frankie's going to be great.
0: I'm in the same boat as you where I think his ceiling, the potential that he could hit this season, could be not only our all-star caliber, but I think it could be Cy Young caliber. I think, I really do believe, again, in all of this, every single thing I say depends on health, which sucks. I hate saying that. If they're all healthy, they're all good. But a lot of these guys have shown that they can get injured at times. And Frankie Montas is, is certainly in that category. If Frankie Montas is able to stay healthy, I think with a newfound confidence in himself, he's saying he's going to win 20 games. I got to believe him. I'm going to believe he's winning 20 games. And if that happens, I firmly believe he's going to be in the in the same he's going to be in the boat for uh, Cy Young. And I, and I, and I, and I think that's I think that's cool. I think we have upside on this guy if he stays healthy. If he stays healthy, I'm all in. All right? All right, uh,
1: number four. This is where, the, this is where the, uh, the rubber meets the road, as they say. This is where it starts to get really, really fun. Because this next four is the future of this franchise. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe in it or not, I'm going to tell you right now, these four guys, if they are good Major League players, we are going to go on a run. For the next five, six years, this franchise is going to be damn good. That's a fact. And it's indisputable. It's undebatable. Noel Marte is at number four for me. Perhaps the most exciting guy towards the end of the year that you could hang your hat on and say, you know what, I think we got something here, was Noel Marte? He looked the part. Some are asking, is he the part? We get to find out. Again, had a little bit of a, uh, I don't want to say a scare Had an injury situation pop up there in the Dominican League over the winter. He's healthy. He's rested. He's back. What does that ultimately look like? We shall find out. But Noel Veymarte might be the best player on this team.
0: I agree. One one million percent. And I think, and again, maybe my stock is too high. He ended the the season on a 16-game hitting streak. I think the kid's a superstar. I think he's going to be, and again, this is going to be a take. This is going to be clipped. By all the haters out there, I think that Noel V. Marte, when everything's said and done, will be better than Ellie De La Cruz. That's how high in I'm on Noel V. Marte. That's how wrong I was about him uh, midway through last year when we were talking about bringing him up. I think this kid's a superstar. I think this kid's awesome. Uh, if he's able to contribute like he did last year, Reds are going far. Reds will go into the postseason. They're going to win a series. I hope so. It's, there's, and Reed kind of brought it up a while ago. Um, there's, there's just so many question marks on this team. So many there's, there's a million questions on this team. How many answers we will get? We, I, I, I don't know, but if we're able to answer some of these questions, will Noelvi Marte be elite. Will Ellie De La Cruz be able to contribute at, at a high major league level? If we're able to answer all of these questions this year, I think this is, a, this is, this, that is the recipe for success. We're going to go far.
1: Yeah, you never know. I mean, listen, uh, Jesse Winker is a guy that sticks out maybe the most, uh, the most when we talk about, you know, what do you have, what don't you have, how long do you have to do it before you realize that you can just pencil it in. You know you're going to get this production out of somebody. Uh, that's the beautiful thing about, you know, maybe making the case as to why you don't extend guys. Um, I'm all for having the opportunity of having franchise players like this franchise has come to know. Pete Rose, Johnny Benches, um, Joey Votto. Those types of players are great to have, right? You, they, they start in your, they start in your organization, they finish in your organization. But the more and more you look around, the more and more you ask yourself, what, are the, what, what is it really worth the risk? Is it really worth the risk of extending these guys before? you know, or do you just get what you get out of them and you hopefully you can find a way to replace them? I know that many many people don't like to hear that, but it just begs the question because if we asked, or we told people two seasons ago, who do you want to extend or who do you want to sign long-term? You're going to get names like Lodolo. You're going to get names like Ashcraft. You're going to get names like Castellanos without question. You're going to get names like Winker. And for all intents and purposes, those would have probably ended up on the wrong side of the aisle. If you're the front office of the Cincinnati Reds. Now I'm not anti signing guys by all, by all accounts. If you think you got somebody and you want to lock them up, then I'm all for it. But now moving into the, to the, to the rest of this list, the question ultimately is going to be asked over the next few years. Do we extend these guys? So at number three, I have CES. Um, CES is a guy that, quite frankly, could take the overall perception of what this lineup looks like and change it dramatically. Dramatically. We've been begging and asking and and pleading, why can't we get a guy that is dangerous at the plate, right-handed hitting, in Great American Ballpark, and hit 40 home runs, 45 home runs. Dare I say 50? I don't want to say 50 because it seems a little preposterous. But CES can have just as big of an impact as the other guys that we're going to talk about on this list moving forward. Now, whether that ultimately ends up happening, I don't know. But I will say, this is: there has not been a guy that has had better power potential since I've started watching the Reds from a prospect standpoint than CES, you can go through all the names. I don't care, list them all. CES has legitimate 80 grade power from a scout perspective. He he is going to miss hit baseballs. Everybody, he's going to miss hit baseballs that he doesn't even come close to squaring up, and they are going to find themselves slamming off the wall or barely getting over the wall in Great American Ballpark. That is a fact. From time to time, yeah, the, the SOB might hit one right over the Toyota Tundra. Now, I had to say that uh, obliga- obligatory because over every course of one of these shows, the big man, Mr. Mr. Big C, requires me to try to plug a couple things. So now's the time to talk about Toyota Tundra. If, <laughs> if perhaps the ball goes over the Toyota Tundra, it's going to come from a guy like CES. And I think he's more than capable of doing it. The question ultimately comes down is, is he a big league hitter? And will he be productive enough to where he's not a liability more times than not? He's going to hit for power, everybody. I'm going to tell you right now. The question is, is he going to strike
0: out 250 times? Yeah, he might do that. But
1: I... I, We'll find out.
0: Yeah. And that's exciting. It is exciting. He struck out 70 times in 63 games. That seems like a lot but on the on the plus side he hit 270 his OBP was a little down 330 didn't draw a ton of walks uh, he had 13 home runs this is all in 63 games this is a kid this is a young guy and I again he, he, it's part of the thing where I you mentioned it for the last uh, the last name that should we start locking these guys up when Tom when Tom interviewed chip Carey on Friday yes. chip Carey compared the Reds to the Braves and that you have a young group of guys, and that if you get them early enough, you can create what the Braves have created, and that's not, I can't call it a dynasty, but they've created something amazing in Atlanta because of that. I think this is a name, one of the names, that you're going to start extending. I think you're going to start extending these guys early. The only one that that is going to get a, a giant, massive contract is Ellie. I think the rest of them right now, if you go out and get them, you can you can lock these guys up for relatively cheap relatively cheap yeah, and, I think, and I think it's a smart play to do I
1: relatively cheap is going to be a is going to be a vague term that's used I get what you're saying you're going to say that they're you're just trying to get these guys at a fair value and or a value in which you feel as if that that the, you know it's the juice squeeze ratio it's like anything else in the world genuinely when you when you pull this onion back a little bit all it is 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 a is a is a risk reward ratio Of whether you're going to do something or not do something and i hate to break it to you but we do that every single day of our lives every single day of our lives the reason there's speed limits down the highway is because of a risk reward ratio and that's what this will ultimately come down to from the front office standpoint do you like the risk is the reward high enough to justify the risk the hunter green contract the risk reward ratio was excellent that's what they're gonna to try to accomplish. And the question ultimately comes down to is what do they actually believe that these guys are gonna become, and can they can they take on the burden of taking the chance that it might not become that? Simple as that. It's not rocket science, quite honestly. Now, the only pushback that seems to happen, that I would have, is that more times than not, what are you gaining by the extra years that you could potentially lose out on the years in which you are extending the payment to these guys on the front end of their deals. So if you have team control until they hit arbitration, clearly you, some of these guys are going to be completely underpaid. Do you think they should be given guaranteed contracts? No <laughs> we going to go down that path now? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not about whether or not I think they should get them or not. They've negotiated the fact that they're going to get them, and that's the way it goes. But I got news for you. Guaranteed contracts have been have, – have, have a pretty devastating thing for small market teams in major league baseball.
0: It's happened, sure. It's it's happened to the Reds.
1: That's, that's it's 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 not even a debate. So that's here nor there. All right, uh CES coming in at number three. Number two, Matt McClain. Matty Ice. Matt McClain uh is a is 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 the most influential player that I felt like last year Again, we talked about this on on the show before. His injury was the dagger. And if he's a guy that's not able to play, I would even argue that he might be just as influential as Ellie De La Cruz. Not quite, because Ellie's number one. Hate to break it to you. We'll talk about him in just a second. But Matt McLean fills a void on this team that unfortunately if he does go away or he's not productive or something happens that's a tough spot to fill because of the defensive the defensive second base that he's able to play is something in which i don't really think that we've grasped how important that quite quite frankly is we should have because towards the end of the year hate to go back to that twins game But if the Twins game doesn't show you that it's pretty important, I don't know what would. Because if he's gone, what happens? David Bell did mention Candelario. They've even explored the idea of maybe having Candelario play second base. What in the hell does that tell you about how they feel about Jonathan India playing there? It's pretty obvious. Now, I'm not saying that Ellie... Ellie De La Cruz isn't just as influential, but Matt McClain might be the most influential. Maybe. The shortstop in the second base position and center field are the three most important positions on the diamond. In my opinion, in my opinion, I do think that some other people would argue that third base is more important than second base. The hot corner. I I I understand the logic there. I'm not sitting here, this is we're not going to make a debate out of nothing. But I just think that the middle of your diamond, if you have great players in the middle of your diamond, you are going to have a great team. Not hard it's not it's not if you look at any great team it's not hard to figure out that that's a fact. The catcher position not on this list huge X factor. Don't know what we're getting. I'll be honest, it's kind of like Jesus take the wheel. That's how Jesus I think about it. I'm hopeful. Maybe I'm praying. Um I do see jolly in the chat. Uh, which uh, was a fantastic play by him during the Daytona 500. A random shout-out here in the middle of the top 10. But I've seen better days after the the big one. I was listening. I was paying attention, Jolly. Just want you to know. Uh, Number one, Ellie De La Cruz. Nobody, nobody. Chalk. Nobody. You could call it chalk all you want. Nobody was more influential to their team last year during a certain stretch of baseball than Ellie was the Cincinnati Reds in all of Major League Baseball. Did I watch every single week of every single team this year uh, or last year in Major League Baseball? No. So how could I say that? I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I can't. But I know this. When Ellie came up and he did what he ultimately did over that two or three week stretch, and I get what he did down the stretch. I'm not downplaying that. He wasn't very good for a long period of time there towards the end of the season. I'm not downplaying that. But what I am going to say is I'd rather know that I have the ability to have a guy do what he did over that two and a half, three week stretch for the, for my team than to have an average player. I would rather give me, give me the chance to hit the lottery because I don't think the ceiling has been even close to tapped yet, but I don't know how low the floor truly is. Now, some will want to make you think that the floor is basically he's going to be playing for the Florence Freedom in two years. <laughs> it's not that. This guy's going to find a way if he gets on base to steal backs. This guy's going to be an excellent defender somewhere. Just use your eyes, watch the game, look at the athleticism. The guy is an unbelievable specimen. He just is. He's going to find a way to be effective on the baseball field. He's just a young deer right now. He's trying to find his way. The kid is young. But he can be the most infa- impactful player on this team, which is why I have him at number one. And I think that if, if you don't think he's genuinely number one, then I think you're just trying to stretch something that's not true.
0: Because chalk is chalk. I, I'm looking at some of the stats now. And, and again, this is just for – you shouldn't even read stats when a guy only plays a quarter of the season, half the season, whatever it was. Um, but the first half he was up, he had 325, 363 OBP with a 524 slug. Uh, he had 16 stolen bases. He had 19 stolen bases with 28 RBIs, a 272 OBP, and a 191 batting average in the second half of the year. He played significantly better, he played significantly better on the road than he did at home. Uh, and against left-handed pitching, he was uh, not to be mean, but he was abysmal. He was woeful, atrocious. This is a kid. This is a kid, like Trey said. He's got the power of the most powerful guy in the league. He's got the speed equivalent to Ronald Acuna. He has every tool that ha- that you is the he is the one of the best defenders in the league. He is like a ev- creative player. He's it is. You, remember,
1: you remember when you, you 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 could you could adjust the the sliders there on your on your own guy. Right yeah. when you when you start it when you start a video game, he legitimately is the creative player. Now whether or not he ultimately ends up lives up to that height, but to your point, he has every single every tool. every single attribute that you could possibly want to extend down the line. Ellie has
0: that. In, like in the movie Moneyball, when they were talk when the scouts were talking to Billy Bean, very rarely does a player have all five tools. Ellie's got them. He's got every single tool in the book. I think the ceiling for Ellie De La Cruz, you legitimately can't see it. You can't see how high the ceiling is for the kid. I think what – and, again, I brought it up on my list, but I think it's important to see what he can do on the field is great. I think what he brought into this city, uh, the excitement, the love for baseball, the passion for the Reds, which, to be quite honest and to be fair, not to shit on my boss, Bob Castellini, but it was lost for a long time. For a couple years there, we were lost. Not because, not only because of what the Castellinis have said, uh, for various other reasons, uncompetitive play, but the, the the magic was gone. He brought it right back in And think- one day. Ellie De La Cruz brought all that back in, and that says more about him than what he can do on the field. Just just the just everything surrounding him saves baseball, saves baseball in this city, and that's what I love about him.
1: Yeah, I think that it's safe to say that. This season has a, a, a very. It's very easy to see both scenarios playing out for the Cincinnati Reds. Whether they, like I said before, and you can say whatever you want, and you can laugh about the notion that they could win 75 games or 72 games, they could also win 100 games. It's 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 absurd to think about. Sometimes I try to figure out if I'm just being the naive fan. Am I? Do I have blinders on? Am I sitting here thinking that this team's way better than what the experts are saying or what the what the the projections are saying, I'm not an idiot. Vegas says this team's supposed to win 81 games. I I do get a little fearful from the idea that every single person in this city acting like that's an atrocious line. I do get fearful that people are going to be like, take the over. It's guaranteed to hit. Because throughout my gambling life, I've realized that if anytime anybody ever yells and says that this is a guarantee to hit, it, no, damn near never hits. So that's the concern I have. But the excitement I have, more or less, is really from the standpoint that I think that they're hedging their bet too. Because they're trying to figure out if these guys that came up for two months that played well, are they really that good of players or are they just, they caught lightning in a bottle? And... You know, I don't, it's not a stray. I'm not trying to say it's a stray by any, but are they Aristides Aquino?
0: That would be tough. That would break me.
1: Well, I mean, it's a possibility. Let's not sit here and act as Reds fans that it's not a possibility that some of these guys that we think, or they look great, aren't going to be below average MLB players. The- and I'm here to tell you that, that those players are possible on this list. They are almost damn near all of them. That's the scary part. And I'm just keeping it real. I'm just being honest. I could go through every single name and let's do it now. Let's have fun. But I'm just saying, let's not be idiots here. Let's be honest. We don't know what we're going to get out of Tyler Stevenson. I hope, th- I hope he bounces back. I'll say this about Tyler Stevenson. When he first came up and he was in the big leagues, he looked like an MLB hitter. He was, he was patient at the plate. He wasn't antsy by any stretch of the imagination. He looked like he was in control. He hit balls on the backside. He hit the ball where it was pitched. Yeah, he might not have a lot of power, but we don't need to have power from every player. We don't need that. And I hope to God that he doesn't decide that somehow these experts have said, hey, we really need you from a launch angle perspective to, to, to make this, adjust, this adjustment and that adjustment to where you can start hitting balls for more power, when in reality, he spent the last 20 years of his life really perfecting something that isn't what other people want. And that's fine. If he's just a a singles and a doubles hitter, by all means. Defensively, I hope he gets better. But that's just one position. CES, we, we we got nothing. We don't know anything. Matt McLean, we know we get we the guy as someone would like to point out he hit 220 in A last year or two years ago. And then last year he was damn near arguably the best player on this team. Ellie de la Cruz we talked about him at length et cetera et cetera. We don't need to do that but we go to third base Noel Marte you got Jamie Candelario who just came over who you could argue out of all the guys that I just named he's probably the one you could say you could rely on the most. You go into the outfield, you got Spencer Steer, you got Jonathan India trying to figure it out, you got TJ Friedel, who we all never expected in a million years to even possibly be on the team last year. You go into right field, you got Jake Fraley and you got Will Benson. Your starting pitchers, the guy that threw the most innings on this team last year was a guy that nobody even talks about, and Graham Ashcraft. Yep. So, all I'm saying is, I think this team can win 100 games. But I also think they can win 75. And that's the most beautiful thing. I'm just going to tell you, that is the most beautiful thing that there is about sports sometimes. Last year, we came out into the season with zero expectations. And it was just a breath of fresh air that this team was interesting enough to keep us all entertained. And it was a, they were a joy to watch. They just were. They were fun. They were they were they ran the bases. They were they were young. And and the and the beautiful thing is is that I'm I am the one. Now you can say that I'm trying to move the goalposts all you want. And I heard someone the other day say, "Nope, I'm not buying anymore. You can't tell me that I'm 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 lowering expectations. I don't want to hear about if they win 80 games. That's okay. I'm not here to say if they win 80 games, it's okay." I'm just saying it's a possibility. I'm not going to sit here and act as if this franchise, specifically where they're at, is all dependent on what happens this year. I'm excited for the future because we got a lot of depth. We got a lot of guys. No one talks about Blake Dunn. Blake Dunn had a hell of a year last year in the minor leagues. If, If this was last year and Blake Dunn was a part of the young core from last year, we would be talking about Blake Dunn like we talked about Matt McClain and Ellie and CES, but we're not talking about them anymore. You know why? Because usually when you have great teams and great franchises, you don't have a lot of minor league talk. Unless you're a super diehard, yes. But the casual fan could care less about what's going on in the minor leagues. They could give a rat's tail who's doing what in A. They could care about the big league club. So all I'm saying is, just because of the things that might happen this year i'm not down and out on this franchise one way or the other i'm just not now you could say that i'm being a homer you could say i'm paid by bob you could say that i'm i'm too optimistic i'm none of those things in my opinion i'm just trying to be level-headed from the standpoint that if and when we find out which young core we can rely on which of these guys can we rely on At that point, your boy here is going to be screaming to the moons about how we need to go out and patch those holes. Go out and spend money or go out and find a way to make some trades with all the depth that you have in the minor leagues to try to build up this young core of people and fill in the holes. Because we don't know what holes might exist right now. And this season, I would like to think we will find that out. Or we'll at least get a pretty damn good idea. The only thing that could wreck this season, in my opinion, one way or the other, Is injuries. Because if you have injuries, you're going to be right back in the same boat next offseason. You're going to be talking about, well, if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, he might have had a different year. I just want to know, are they good or not? Is this guy somebody we can rely on in nut-cutting time or not? And if I find out that CES is going to hit 190 with 35 home runs and he's not somebody we can rely on, then you know what? At least we know. The worst thing that you can do in business and the worst thing that you can have in sales as a sales rep is when nobody tells you nothing. Just tell, I'd rather just say, I hate your product. I think that you sucked. You came in here, you did a presentation, it was horrible. We don't want you anymore. The worst thing that you can get is you go in there, you do a presentation, you leave, and the next thing you know, they're like, oh yeah, it was great, it was great. You leave and they start talking behind your back. So in a way, in a roundabout way, I guess that's all I'm asking for out of this season is I want clarity. I want to know what we got, and I'm excited for it. I think some people are going to sit here and say, well, Trace is being negative. He's talking about how all these guys are going to suck. I'm not, because they're not all going to suck. That's the positive thing.
0: We've seen too much out of all of them at this point. And again, maybe we got lucky, I guess, a little bit. But like none of them were bad. None of them. I, I, there were stretches for each each per each player, maybe except for Noelvi and Matt McLean, where it was like, okay, they're struggling a little bit. Uh, give them some time. Ellie did it. Uh, CES did it. I I just think we've seen too much. Ariste- you mentioned Aristide Aquino. You gave him a, a, a little warning shot there. Uh, I just want to re- rehash what he did in August of 2019 because he had one good month in the at, at the major league level. One good month. In 115 plate appearances, Aquino had uh, a 15 home runs, 33 RBIs, hit 320, 391 OBP, and a seventy sixty-seven slug. Dude had one of the maybe greatest months of baseball and then tailed off into oblivion. I don't think that's possible for the guys we have up. I don't. Um, I think we've seen so much already that they've cemented themselves at least, if nothing else, better than Aristides Aquino. And, and, and none of them will be certifiable busts i think they're all going to be competitive they're all going to be they're all gonna be able to play at a high major league level um will they all be on the reds for 10 years no but i do think for the next couple years here this window we have because the window is open that i you can't you can't say anything if not but the window is open um and, and that's at least for the first time in a long time I, i'm able to say that since 2020 um and yeah, I, I think one of the biggest things uh, that we're going to be dealing with this year is expectations. You're going to go on stretches where you lose five in a row. You're going to lose sure. six in a row. It's going to suck. It's 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 not then at that time where you say, "All right, this team just doesn't have it." You do have to give them the you have to give them the time that's needed here. I, they play each rookie played at most half a season, at most. Yep. So this is a brand new season temper your expectations a little bit while still having having that in your mind that you can win this NL Central. And, and I think the number isn't too crazy. I think 88 games, 88, 89 88 wins. wins. Yeah. I think that wins the division. I think it gets you into the postseason.
1: I would I, I would think that that's a fair number, somewhere around 88. I,
0: I think so. And, and if you're able to keep that in your mindset, if you go into the season thinking, all right, we need 88. 88 wins, wins us our division. I think 87, 86 might get you into the postseason.
1: You know what? I I think that uh, the one last thing I want to say about uh, an optimistic viewpoint, if we can, and and people people might, like, uh, I I hope I didn't, you know, get anybody down and out about the the team. I'm extremely excited about what they can be, is this. Last year, at this exact time, um, Kevin Newman was basically Jonathan India of this team. And that's a significant
0: upgrade. 100%. So –
1: you know, when you look at the roster as a whole, you can say whatever you want. I, I'd rather, I'd rather there, there there be the ceiling of opportunity of how good these guys could ultimately be than than know what you got with a with an aging, middling retread of a major league ball player.
0: We don't have a bad player offensively on this roster. We don't. Luke Mailey may maybe the worst one. Is that fair? No, I mean, I would say that's a that's a that's a neck and neck race at catcher. I. It's very close at catcher. That's fine. I'm just saying, again, people who wanted to ship India to Siberia, shout out Evan. I I think those people are now looking at this roster. Say whatever you want about Jonathan India. The guy's better than Kevin Newman, right? He's going to offer you something at at least as a depth player, as a depth role player. You have that now where you didn't have it last year. We can't rely on every Nick Martini to hit. Is Nick Martini still, uh, still in the organization he is, right? Yeah, yeah. He's so going to be a Nick part Martini. of it.
1: Listen, there's a big debate right now of who's going to take the 26th roster spot. And it's just like, I, I really don't want to have that debate until we make the final cuts. How could you – there's people debating right now who should be the final roster cut. And it's like, well, I mean, these dudes haven't even really got yeah. into spring training. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. Uh, just, seriously. If, if if Jose Barrero went out and went and I know this is hyperbole this is this is this is a stretch and oh there goes Trace Mr Jose Barrero, stand if he hits 40 home runs in spring training and I mean literally 40 home runs are we going to suspect that he's not on the opening day roster? So what are we doing? We're, we're, we're jumping we're jumping the 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 we're jumping the shark here a little bit. It's like let's just pump the brakes for a second, let it play out. Stuart Fairchild's a guy that's the backup center fielder right now. And we're arguing over whether or not we should get cut. He should get cut next week because Josh Harrison supposedly just got signed. I'm all for sports talk. I'm all for like having fun and having debates, but like some stuff's just stupid. Some stuff just makes no sense. Josh Harrison final roster spot. If that happens, I'm gonna tell you right now, if Josh Harrison makes the final roster spot, all hell's broken loose, and I will be more than pissed. Nothing against Josh Harris.
0: Nothing against Josh Harris. I genuinely don't I... mean
1: nothing against him. It just was it, w- it would just be I would be severely disappointed that some of the younger players that we have, some of the guys that I actually think might have okay ceilings, isn't better than than an aging,
0: good player from a while ago. Do you think, uh, again, not that I'm gonna we're going to dive into this conversation yet, but if you had to pick one from the pitching side of, of, of the roster, would you rather have Fernando Cruz or Buck Farmer?
1: I'll tell you right now, I'd much rather have Fernando Cruz. But the reality is, is that Fernando Cruz, to be clear, has options, which means that you have the flexibility and the freedom to be able to send him down to the minor leagues and not lose him. So guess what? You're going to get – Fernando Cruz is getting ready to get, you know, no matter what he does this spring, for the most part, if Buck Farmer throws the ball relatively well at all, guess what? You, you're going down because you're going down because you're you you, you you're the only one that has the option to go down. Yep. That's the facts. Um, Fairchild doesn't have any options left. Damn. Barrero doesn't have any options left. I get that you're upset about that. By upset, you're laughing over there. I. I <laughs> we shall see. We shall, see. we shall see if, if I'll, I'll tell you this right now. If Jose Barrero can figure it out just a little bit, would you rather have Jose Barrero at second base or would you rather try to run it back with
0: Jonathan India there? Well, you would want, you would, I mean, can John, this is hypothetical. Is this not including that Jonathan India could also run it back from his rookie year?
1: I'm talking defensively. Well, you know, defense, there's just well, def- well, there's just only so much def- a man can handle when the ball's hit five feet def- to the right or left of either guy, of, of either way of one person, and the ball and, and we're and we're sliding, we're doing spinning spinning backhands, and the ball ends up going to the other side of the person when they're trying to backhand the ball. Def- it's the world's shittiest defense.
0: Defensively, I've lost the battle on that. India, unfortunately, I love you, I love you, love you, love you. You can't play defense. The throw he had in Houston where he threw a ball from shallow right field, like nine rows deep into the stands. It's one of the funniest throws I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't know what the thought was. I don't know if it slipped, but that was hilarious. No, and yeah, if Jose Barrera was able to hit, whatever you said, 40 home runs in spring, sure. <laughs> it was I would, a joke, but I yes. would I would rather have Jose over Jonathan India, yeah.
1: Well, it's not even about Jose or this. I just I'm just pointing out, like, Let's let's pump the brakes on who we think should be take the 26th roster spot, and so we get to where we have to make that decision. I feel like we, it makes no sense not to make the, it's, It makes no sense to argue the decision now when there's plenty more of the story to play out. Um, okay, really quickly here, MLB, they've they've announced that they plan on expanding. It seems inevitable at this point that a lot of these leagues are going to expand. Oh, yeah. NBA without question is going to expand. Hopefully, send a prayer up to heaven that Cincinnati could get that. That would be unbelievably not only great for us as Chatterbox to be able to start to be able to provide uh, NBA coverage, theoretically, but it would be nice to, to get an opportunity to care about the NBA. I genuinely mean that. I, I, I just can't get invested in it because I don't have a team, and I do think it's entertaining, though. I do think watching think those guys play is entertaining, so hopefully they get one. But that's not what this segment's about. It is about what cities – are up for an opportunity for MLB expansion and which ones make the most sense. And we'll ask the poll question of the day of the four that we try to figure out here as we dissect we'll, this, we'll, this plethora of lists that, that has come out. The the four best that we think, and then we'll let you choose who you think or what city you think would be the best for Major League Baseball to go into. All right, so starting it off, uh, Elliot, you have the list of, of do. cities here. I do. not you – let's do this. You list the city – I'll give the population and then the TV market rating, and then um, we can kind of give a little quip about it if we okay. have something to add to that. And then we'll go through the entire list, and then from there we'll 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 pick four.
0: Okay. Uh, first up for the possible MLB expansions, we have Austin, Texas. I feel like Austin's has Austin had a professional sports team before?
1: Um, Austin, San Antonio area. I I um.
0: Just another Texas team. Look, no, Texas. Is a big- I mean
1: Austin, Austin. Where is uh where the, the Rangers are out of Arlington?
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know my Texas geography that well. This is where Reed Mouse would come in. The second this second grade geography uh trophy he was displaying the other day would be handy now, um or Google of course, but I'm not going to do that right in the middle of the show. But nonetheless, uh, Austin has a population of uh, 960,000. Pretty good. Um, San Antonio has a population of 1.5 million. TV market in Austin's 35, 31 for San Antonio. So they're both.
0: Both pretty you know, similar.
1: Yeah, very similar.
0: Both similar. I would take, I, w- I wouldn't, I don't think it would suck to have another Texas team. Um, Charlotte. Do we think Charlotte's big enough to, to hold a MLB team? I don't know. That's, that's,
1: the, uh, that's the question. It's only, uh, Charlotte's 874,000. Um, case think- for Charlotte's, Charlotte's metro area is bigger than most of, this, the, most of the existing MLB teams. Metro area, so you're kind of getting Charlotte, but you're getting the surrounding areas as well.
0: I feel like the South is in need for another team too. That's that's. I feel like yeah. I do, I Their TV like- market rating
1: uh, is uh, 21. For those that are wondering, the population, as I just said, uh, for Charlotte is 875,000, but the metro area population is 2.7 million.
0: So they're, they're, and again, South likes baseball, so they, they, they. they Good weather, it. Um, it helps Mexico City.
1: Yeah, this is uh, this is one of the very first ones where I've seen people think about going south of the border.
0: I don't, I don't think this I, would happen. Yeah, this
1: seems like when it, what the NFL would do, which seems to be what maybe MLB should do. I don't know. I'm, I'm, is that an oxymoronic thing to think? I'm, I'm like, it's uh, the way that you have your gambling brain sometimes. Yeah. I have my my um, what would it be, commissioner brain, owner brain. Yeah. It's like. I'm, what would the NFL do is the way in which I would try to manage my league. And I feel like they would consider Mexico City. Uh, Mexico City's population, 10 million. That's a lot. It's a ton of people, man.
0: It's a lot of people.
1: Um, they played that game last there's year. There's not a TV market rating because it's, uh, it's not in the, in the country, but it has, there's it has, a TV market rating that certainly people would want to put ads in front of 10 million people.
0: It would have there. some of that uh, Coors Field magic. Reed put it in the chat. I think they they went they went there this past they, year, yes,
1: and they hit 400 home runs every time. Correct. So, Maybe that
0: would be entertaining. That would be entertaining if nothing else. Never
1: uh, the the over under on the line in the Mexico City's games were like 20, oh 22. yeah, yeah. 22. It, it ended up not even being a bad score. Like the the, the the scores weren't that crazy, but the but certainly clearly that would be. Do be you wild. think that would be degrading to the game? To have one stop that's just crazy different.
0: Well, I think you you already have that in Coors Field though. And but people complain about that. Yeah, but people I,
1: are people are saying that it's. I that don't it's, think
0: you should. Yeah, I mean, I think having two of those is silly. But I, uh, Coors Field gets its special little Super Bowl park, and the rest of us can have our own regular ones. But I, yeah, I, again, I, I'm out. Montreal, back um, to Canada.
1: Yeah, well, you got the Expos. Um, it seems as if. This has been the hot topic for a while now, that the expo should come back, whether or not that should. I, I'm too young to really know a whole lot about that franchise, to be honest. I mean, I obviously, I know who they were, what the symbol was. Tracy Jones played for them, of course. Um Pedro Martinez, the, the, they they were probably, what, the favorites to win the World Series, and yeah. then the strike happened. Um So I'm I'm well aware of the the franchise, but I don't really have a lot to add. Uh, Montreal's population, 1.7 million. The metro area, though, of Montreal, 4.2 million. Um, But I think that this is the easiest thing is because they've already had an MLB team before. The only pushback I'd have on that would be, why did it fail? I agree.
0: Um, I think we should rattle off a couple of these pretty quickly so we can get to the poll. Go for Um, it. Nashville.
1: Yep, this is this is one of the big two, I it would is. say. Uh, population, population 2.4 metro.
0: I think you get the tourism vote there. I, I think I think Nashville might work. Uh, yep. Orlando,
1: yep. I think this one would fail. Uh, 300,000 300, population, uh, two point seven million metro area. Uh,
0: the, the shout out to the Florida teams. Those teams stink. Nobody yeah. goes to those games. Uh, Portland.
1: Uh, 650,000, uh, city pop, but the Metro is 2.5 million.
0: Okay. Your team Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah.
1: I, I, I gotta admit here folks. Uh, when we were uh, prepping for the show before I said, Riley, um, uh, turns out I've been saying Riley, North Carolina, completely incorrect my whole life. It's rally. And, uh, I was made aware of that today. So you learn something new every day. Uh, they have 467,000, 1.4 million.
0: And Kirby brought in a good point too. Uh, any any team in those in those in the South would probably be blocked by uh, our friends in Atlanta. I think. Well, they're, they're trying to block. It. Trying to block. I
1: mean, at some point, if Major League Baseball really wants it to happen, I yeah. don't think that they have a lot to stand
0: on. Uh, San Jose, San Jose would be an interesting one. I don't think that would happen, but you could certainly say that you can move it there. Um, one point nine million metro TV market, those
1: ten, so it's got a good TV market.
0: Uh, and finally, and this is the other big two: Salt Lake City.
1: Salt Lake City, two hundred thousand city pop, and the metro is one point two million. So Salt Lake has the Utah Jazz already, right?
0: Um, yeah, and you, you're probably looking for them to put a team where there's other teams already. Yeah. So I would say right. if, if we had to put if we had to put three on there, and then you can say other. Uh, I would say Salt Lake City. I would say Nashville. I agree with that, and then I would say San Antonio. I think San Antonio would get one over Austin. You think so? And then say other is the other one. So San Antonio and then other.
1: That's fair. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna um, really fight you on those too too heavily. Um, it seems like Montreal and Mexico City would be two that would be appealing to me, largely because you're going outside the country again. You're trying to find ways in which you can grow the game. I know that's a very cliche there would be- term that everybody uses, but what I had seen out of the World Baseball Classic makes me believe that other countries would adore the opportunity to have a professional franchise, and it would become Mexico's team. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be Mexico City. It would be the entire Mexico. You would get an entire country that I think would buy in and love that. The only difficult part with that, obviously, is logistics and the standpoint that, obviously, you'd have the uh, the altitude coupled with the fact that you have major league players that, you know, and I'm not suggesting it's terrible to live in Mexico City or anything like that, but there's a language barrier there. Um, And I know there's a language barrier. Don't get me wrong. There's a language barrier for folks that are coming over to play in the States from other countries. So it would just be one of those things where, again, you know, I don't know. I would be open to it. I would be very open to it if I was Major League Baseball.
0: You would have another issue, though, that no pitcher would ever want to play there. No, I mean, I guess if the dollar sign's right, but no pitch, you're going to – Great American has a Great American premium when you when you get some of these pitchers. Yes. I wonder Same if that wears quarters. off, though, at some point. Yeah, but not there, man. I mean, if, if, you're, over, if you're over under every single night, 17 and a half, we're going to have an issue. Don't
1: you think, though, that if you were a pitcher in uh, a place like Mexico City – And specifically Colorado, that you get some grace. I I I would like to think sure. I would think that you would. It'd be like oh this guy this guy's stats are X Y Z inflated, but at some point I would think that the uh, certainly the analytics community would probably be able to try to come up with a a relatively you know whether it be atmosphere independent or ballpark independent, but they would try to. They would try to try to over the course of time you'd be able to correlate what guys have done in in the city itself and then outside the city and try to make some kind of comparison as to whether something is good or bad within those types of environments
0: it's fair um, if you had to pick personally which one what's what's your one pick one one city I'm, gets I,
1: one. I'm gonna take Mexico City that's wild
0: all right that's fair
1: I just think it's I think it'd be better for the league I'm not saying it's better for the specific sport of baseball but from a marketing standpoint marketing yep from making you know i don't know
0: dollars Sa- and cents salt lake city would be mine i think salt lake city would be cool um
1: nashville seems to be the one that's probably the one that's going to get the the biggest
0: and i think nashville would be the worst one i, I don't think there would be a, a really? strong, i don't i don't think there'd be a strong fan base there not only that they would take a little bit of the market away from the reds
1: no, there's no doubt about that they, they they certainly would do that and i think that you're going to get pushed back from the reds and you're going to push back from the braves and whether or not both of those franchises would be able to to try to you know get themselves in a position where they had enough leverage on the league to be able to stop that then that's a whole nother story i don't know no idea no idea but um we do have box lunch coming right after today's show uh we are one day closer. To some more, what I would call real, relevant things to talk about. On March 28th, we got significant stuff happening. We got baseball, Reds baseball, real conversations. We also have, currently at this very moment, uh, to round out the show. And it's going to be the quickest segment known to mankind. Here we go. Is the NFL's franchise tag is now available. How about that? Now, yesterday, I seen on ESPN, this is where we're at in the world of sports, and I'm sad about it. We had on the bottom ticker at ESPN, the countdown clock on February 20th for the franchise tag market opening. Now, I don't know if there's anything more boring, it seems to be, or just seems like not that relevant than to sit around here and talk about what teams might franchise tag, what player, this, that, and the next. I get the NFL's king. I understand NFL is ultimately the thing that drives ratings and puts numbers basically on a screen. We're, we're not naive to all that. We want to talk about the NFL. But, again, I don't know. Maybe Reid's going to talk about the NFL exclusively. The issue that I have with it is it just doesn't seem that relevant until it actually happens. So we are currently at this very moment on T Higgins watch, which seems to be inevitable at this point. Yep. I'm going to let you guys kind of, uh, uh Casey, you've, you've kind of had a, a nice show here where you've, 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 you've got the, not, you didn't get the day off. That's not the right word to use, but you know, you had a nice, easy, relaxing show. Your, your vocal cords are going to be very, very, very rested for box lunch. That's right. That's right. I hope you use those to your advantage, um, for box lunch. But I do want to ask the simple question of what decisions are left to be made for this franchise to tag him, and how long does this go before they make a decision, do you think?
2: Well, with the recent rumors of them potentially cutting Mixon, which I think um, that's been something that's been tossed around every offseason for like the last two or three seasons now. But also guys like B.J. Hill and Sam Hubbard, um, not so much Sam Hubbard, but a little bit of B.J. Hill. Um, opening up more cap space, I think, is a, a big factor into their decision and whether or not they're going to tag Higgins or maybe even just extend him. I think, obviously, the, the the rumors and the conclusions around um, the, the, the media are that they're going to tag T. Um, and I think that's their big move, right? I think they're okay with that being the big move of the season. They're all in move, Right. I think if it was any other season and they weren't going for a Super Bowl run, they probably uh, would just let them walk, um, in all honesty. I think that this is the their their choice in, in saying, like, you know what? Let's go for a Super Bowl one last time, right? So that's that's their, uh, this, the, their biggest decisions really to make at this moment is, um, you know, right tackle, that's another one, uh, the guys that they're going to cut, and whether or not this is an all-in move for this year, or maybe this is going to be something that we see put together for the next couple seasons. Um, and if, it, if they were to put a value um, on which of those they value most importantly, it's probably deciding whether or not this is their all-in move or if this is a thing that they can continue on for the next couple seasons. It looks like to me that this is their all-in move, though, from all the yeah. rumors. Uh, yeah.
0: to, to end the show, we do have a cherry on top, Casey Rue. Yes, we do. We do uh, and then, right,
1: do, right before we get to the uh, cherry, cherry on, on top, top, really yeah. quickly, uh, just to thank everybody for the supers, Mr. Mo, thank you. Drew Garrison said, "Looking good, Trace." I don't know about that, but you know, sometimes you just gotta you gotta keep things you gotta keep things light, humorous, make people smile. Does that Drew was get the goal. credit a little bit for that shirt? That was the goal. Uh, Drew gets all the credit for the shirt. Yeah, okay. I think he gets all the credit for the shirt. One, yes, I seen it. Uh, shout out headlines for 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 allowing me to get the shirt as quickly as I did. Uh, thank you to Michael uh, as well for the super chat, and uh, we're looking forward to continuing to try to do some things. So I got some meetings. I got a, me- a meeting tomorrow, unfortunately, or, or fortunately to be honest, for some probably that <laughs> I will have to not be on this show tomorrow. I'm going to meet with some people, trying to actually try to meet with uh, hopefully a replacement uh, for me at some point. Um, we have some big news. Friday, um, relatively big news. I don't want to make it sound like it's something too crazy, but we have some news Friday um, about some more content. Somebody's going to visit the studio. We're going to discuss what that's going to look like and then uh, other ways in which you can um, consume our content. The chances of you actually consuming our content already and consuming it on this new medium that we're going to add to. It's probably slim to none, considering you're already on YouTube or podcast form or wherever you're already listening. And by all means, please continue to listen um, to wherever it is that you listen or and or watch from. And I can't uh, state enough again yesterday. I think uh, if, if we could do it all again, I would take it back in regards to just like I don't really find it entertaining to fight like that. It just seems stupid. Uh, but we were just defending ourselves. We were having fun with it. And I do really genuinely appreciate all the people that stick up for us. And, um, I, we want to do it in a way in which is fair. We're not going to pick fights, but if people throw punches at us, then we're not just going to sit around and not at least defend ourselves. Uh, but at the end of the day, we are relatively small, humble company humble. that, uh, I mean, it is, it, it, gen- it genuinely, it genuinely is. Um, and I, I just, I am grateful that i get to do this and i am thankful that many of you enjoy what we do because at the end of the day if you didn't and uh you didn't hang around you didn't tell people we got you know uh, i don't hate singling people out but ricky's telling people his his fedex driver that you know chatterbox sports and then he's delivering something the next day and supposedly he's listening to it off the bench that's how this grows we don't have a, a huge marketing dollar to go out and you know buy billboards and try to promote what we're doing on a grand scale. So it's grassroots. It's going to be grassroots for the next few years, unless we get a, an influx of money that I'm not aware of.
0: Bobby and C, maybe you he can
1: help. If we get that, then great. Um, but the biggest thing that I do want to say is very thankful for the people that support the show, not only just you, but United Dairy Farmers. Um, we met with them this uh, this past week. I'm very optimistic about the future in which that holds. So, um, hopefully, we get, to, we get to continue to bring the United Dairy Farmers cherry on top. Elliot, what do you got? So, this cherry on top,
0: uh, again, back to the Reds. Back to the Reds. It was Hunter Green versus Ellie De La Cruz uh, in, a, in, a, in a batting practice duel. And Ellie takes this ball into the parking lot where all the cars are. Where all the players' cars are and smashes Hunter Green's car. There what kind of car
1: is that? I, I was trying to figure that out.
0: I, I can't tell. Somebody can't in the tell. chat let us know. Someone's smart enough to figure that out. Ricky says this show's the best. Thank you, brother. Uh so I don't know what kind of car it is, but that is very, very funny. The irony of that is is, is all time. Yeah. Hitting a hitting a foul ball off a pitcher into his car is one in a million. And that's what Ellie is. One in a million. That's a one in a million guy there. The <laughs> uh, Real quick, just before you make your point, Nashville wins the poll at yeah. 51%.
1: Like that. Uh, please like the show if you haven't already. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Our subscriber numbers are increasing dramatically by the day. It's like, uh, it's pretty awesome, man. I mean, we're at 11.5 now. Um, I feel like it wasn't that long ago that we were – Rallying and campaigning for trying to get over 10,000. Yeah. One big favor that I do ask is, um, there is a threshold on TikTok of all places that if you get to 10,000, it actually allows them to pay us. I don't know why it's the case. So that's, it's still dumb to be honest, but for some reason they don't allow you to monetize on YouTube until you get to 10,000. I think we're currently sitting at like a, what are we at? Probably close to 9,000. We're close to 9,000 now. So we have a little ways to go, yes. But if you have TikTok, if you if you don't mind following us on there, we're just trying to figure out a way in which we can get to 10,000. Maybe we can make a couple bucks off of that to kind of keep the lights on around here. But it's not earth-shattering uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But it just seems goofy that TikTok won't pay you until you get to 10,000. But your videos that are utilized and monetized by them before 10,000, that doesn't seem all that fair. But that's here nor there. Box Lunch is coming up next. As always, thank you very, very much. I will be back Friday better than ever. But until then, enjoy your day. Go
0: outside. It's beautiful outside. <laughs> it's beautiful outside. Take care, everybody.